Well, thank you very much, Stephen. So glad to be with you folks who understand the essential of prayer and are giving yourselves to prayer. I love Sermon Audio. I appreciate and thank God for Stephen Lee and his compatriots here. This is a great work, and it is opposed of God, as any work of God is opposed. If the devil's not against it, God's not in it. And he, uh, he doesn't all go on attack, attack against the people he already has uh, within his uh, embrace, uh, but those he wants to be in his embrace. And it is true that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And uh, I, I did not know what Stephen was going to say by way of introduction, but it's very fitting with what God has laid on my heart to try to share with you today. It's something God has really been impressing on me. I've spent a lot of time lately in, in Psalm 91. If you have your Bibles, I would urge you to turn there and just uh, let's be fortified in the assurances of, of what our prayers accomplish for us and for that which for which we are praying. Uh, it, this psalm breaks itself down really uh, obviously to me. The first two verses, in those first two verses, the writer, the speaker here, unknown to us, there's no ascription here, but uh, this man writing is sharing his prayer testimony, his personal experience of what prayer means to him. And then in verses 3 through 13, he's speaking to someone else. We'll see that in just a minute. Maybe a friend, a son, someone that he wants to experience that same benefit of prayer. And then the last three verses, 14 to 16, God himself is the speaker uh, to those who come to him in prayer. It's a powerful and wonderful psalm. I want to read the first two verses with you. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The speaker says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. Very personal. And we ought to be sharing our testimonies of what God is doing for us in our own personal life because of the time we spend with him in prayer. And, and this is just a very succinct two-verse testimony of what the writer has personally known uh, and uh, known by and known for and wants others to know about the power of prayer. You notice here that the first verse tells us that prayer is where we hide and abide when things get chaotic and scary down here in this world. I will abide in the secret place. I will dwell in the secret place. I will sit down in the secret place what it says, of the Most High. I will abide, I will stay there under the shadow of the Almighty. What a comforting thing that is. Prayer takes me to the 
secret place where God abides. So when things get chaotic and scary and uh, life is full of things like we just heard happening in Boston at this very moment, we see the advance of Satan's kingdom. We see the powers of darkness on the move in uh, ways that have never happened in the lifetime of some of us who are older. It didn't used to be like this. I mean, we always knew that the warfare is a spiritual warfare and that God has an army and uh, he is uh, the captain of, of the hosts. But, but now we're visibly able to see what this means. And we don't have weapons except the power of God and his weapons, and we know what he did uh, when Sennacherib threatened Jerusalem in, uh, in Nehemiah's day, and uh, God uh, in Hezekiah's day, and, and God with one, one, one army, one soldier in his army, slew 185,000 uh, Assyrians. He didn't have to have a whole army, just one soldier. So we know God is able to do these things. But God is doing something far beyond our understanding in all of this. And he's getting the kingdom ready for the king to sit on the throne. So we can be glad in that. We should not be depressed, but we should be aware. And we should use the weapon that God has given us in this warfare, and it's the weapon of prayer. And that's what the writer is telling us here. The psalmist said in Psalm 18, another psalm, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. My friends, it is not so much what God gives us when we pray. It is where God places us when we pray. That's what this psalm is telling us. It places us in the very safety and presence of Almighty God himself, where we can abide, we can retreat and go there. Uh, I don't know where you turn for comfort. I think I do know, but most of the world does not go to God for comfort. They're running from God as fast as they can run. We go to him, and above all the clamor and the chaos and the fears that the natural man can have as, he, as a Christian in this world, to a hiding place. It's quiet. We abide with God in our time of prayer. So prayer takes us someplace that without prayer we cannot go. That's what makes prayer so appealing. Is it not? I, don't, I, I suspect you have the same problem I have. I, I will confess my problem. It's hard to get in the spirit of prayer. The world's so busy. Demands are everywhere. And we have to prepare ourselves to come before God. It, it's, it's communion with God doesn't take place naturally, but supernaturally. And there are so many natural things in the world that we have to get beyond. We have to get beyond our daily agenda. 
we have to get beyond our concerns for our finances, our family's health, and our present needs. And all of these things will fill our minds by, divine, by, by satanic design if we allow it to happen. So if we're going to abide and we're going to stay in the shadow of the Almighty, we have to get ourselves ready to do that. And that's the hard part. But once we get there, it's a sweet time. It's a blessed time. We don't want to leave there when life must go on and daily cares must become part of our agenda. So prayer is the presence of God where we sit down and we abide when the foundations are shaking and the Bible says, uh, what shall the righteous do when the foundations are destroyed? We go to God. We don't panic. We don't wring our hands. We don't get depressed. We just say, Lord, I'm coming into your presence and there's comfort and there's satisfaction and there's shelter. Thank you, God, that I can dwell in your presence and abide in the shadow of the Almighty. It's a dangerous world out there, my friends. And God uses this testimony of this man's prayer in the life of his friend that he is trying to say, you need to be there too. It's, it's a great place to be in verses 3 through 13. And he says in verse 3 to his friend, his hearer, surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover you with his wings, with his feathers, and under his wings you shall trust. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You know, my friends, our family, our children, our wife, our believers in our church, when God's done something special for us in our prayer time, the redeemed of the Lord need to say so. And that's what the writer is doing here. The personal testimony of being in the presence of God and what it does for the soul and for the life and allows us to come back into the nasty now and now with the confidence that God has not abandoned us. Our, his people are dear to him. His cause, his name is dear to him. And that we're okay. We're sheltered. We're covered. We're preserved. It doesn't mean, if you read the rest of this, these this, this, this uh, admonition to the hearer here, he talks about the pestilence, the, uh, the COVIDs, the other uh, uh, medical issues uh, that come across the world in given times of history. You don't be afraid of these things, nor for the terror that comes by night, nor the arrow that flies by night, a day, the noisome pestilence. He said, these things are everywhere. And sometimes... Because we live in this world, and we're part of this natural sin-cursed world for this time, God allows his people to be afflicted by these things. It's not just the, the wicked that are afflicted by these, but it's part of the natural living in the natural universe. It's part of the way God accomplishes his will and his purpose with us. 
Uh, we're going to see in a moment as we close out here that uh, with long life, God will satisfy us. But that doesn't mean everybody's going to live a long time who's a believer. But that's the natural thing, and that's what God knows we long for, long life. But sometimes God in his goodness takes us early to heaven, which is where we want to be anyway. <laughs> and he says, this is better for you, but I'm able to give you long life, sheltered, protected, guarded life. I'm able to do that because I'm God, and that's the natural thing we want. But we want most of all that God would accomplish his perfect plan for each of us. Uh, there's so much here, but time does not permit. You'll, you'll want to study these verses 3 through 13 where he talks about life in a sin-cursed world and, and all that happens to the natural man here, which God is able to deliver us from and to take us in safety and keep us from. But verses 14 through 16, God becomes a speaker to those whose hearts are attached to him in great love and warmth. Let me read them to you as we close. God says, because he, that is this man who abides uh, in my secret place and dwells with me under my shadow, because that man has set his love upon me. That's what brings us there in the first place. People who don't love God don't go and abide in his presence and sheltered uh, under his covering wings. Because he has loved me, therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high in my presence where he can abide in safety and comfort and joy because he has known my name. What God says is, because you have fallen in love with me, because you are attached in your soul with me and you have warm affection for me, I'm going to give you the privilege of being with me in that safe place where I abide. You have an attachment for the beauty of my character, and I'm going to let you spend some time there where you can savor some of that. And then he says in verse 15, that man will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. What a privilege. God says, I want to do that for you. If you fall in love with me and you have an attached soul to me and my purposes and will are important to you, I'll give you some privileges of dwelling with me where I am while you have to be down here. And he says in verse 16, with long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. The longer we live here, the longer we have time to see God and enjoy him here and his blessings and his privileges and his salvation. When my wife, Beneth, uh, my first wife died four years ago. We were in the room when the news was received by the doctor. Family was all around her. Said, I've, we've done all we can do. The cancer's come back in vengeance, and you, you may have just a few days to live. And she got the sweetest smile on her face. And in the presence of those unsaved medical people, she said, such a wonderful life here. 
And now I have heaven to look forward to. So the longer we have here, the more days he gives us, the more we have to enjoy him here and to make him known, to sing his praises, to give him glory. But then God says, when that's over, I have a really long life waiting for you. I'm going to satisfy you with it. I'm going to satiate you with that. I don't know about you, but as I read this psalm, I come away saying, Dear God, I would like to be this kind of man. I'm far from it, but I'm yearning toward it. And if you will continue to give me the life, I'm already 83 years old. He's already given me more than he's allotted to the natural man today. And so, God, the longer I'm here, the greater yearning I have to be this man that you've described right here. And I want to, that's my ambition for whatever days God may give me yet in this world. I just want to share that from my heart with you because I know it's the ambition of many of the rest of you also. Thank you for letting me share these thoughts from God's Word.